everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Writer's Haven. I am your host, Musu of Musu Writes. Thank you guys for coming back. Thank you guys for tuning in to all of our previous episodes that we've done. Um, we've been having a lot of fun recording. Um, pardon the delay because, you know, time and life and all of those things that tend to happen. So uh, with today's episode, I am speaking with author Marcus Lopez from Canada, and he has a lot to share about his journey. And uh, we had a really interesting conversation getting into the thick of things when it comes to being able to write and writer's block, um, you know, just dealing with day-to-day life issues and while trying to get a book done at the same time. So uh, Marcus has a book coming out, and as the publishing date of this podcast it the book should be released it's called broken man broke and it seems like an interesting read um he has several novels that you guys should check out so if you go to marcus lopez with an s dot ca you'll be able to see the other books that he has Uh, he's been doing this for quite a while so he has quite a lot to share with everyone so take a listen and i hope you enjoy thanks and take care Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for um, coming on. You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to learning more about, you know, you, your work you're doing and all that good stuff. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I, I want to jump right into it. Um, let's talk about overbearing mothers. Let's, let's, start. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's start there because I know you have something coming out on the 21st of this month. So tell me a bit about that. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's called Broken Man Broke, and it's a coming-of-age novel, and really it's a story about trying to find yourself, trying to figure out what you want to do in life, and, you know, being so young, you know, we're all going off to university, some of us, and it's big decisions to figure out and decide what you want to, you know, study potentially for your rest of your life. And that's kind of how I felt, you know, back when I was 17, 18, going to university and, you know, the pressure of trying to decide what you wanted to do. And, you know, the the main character in this story is Scott Davenport. And, you know, he has a kind of, he has a unique relationship with his mother who is just so concerned about him and wants him to do well and succeed. Um, But she's also, she's a hoverer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so he's trying to balance his own ambitions against that of his parents and, and I think that's something a lot of people can relate to oh yeah absolutely and with this story you know either you can answer it either from the story or from yourself like well let's stick to the story with the main character mm-hmm. is there like a breaking point between him and the mother does something definitive happen that changes the dynamics of their relationship yes and yes and no um i think the the main dynamic the thing that changes the most for them is when he first comes out okay Um, because she doesn't know how to really deal with that she looks at it from the perspective of she did something wrong Mm. Um, and you know, she's a woman of faith and that was hard for her and coming to 
and acceptance of him as he is, I think that's the that's the that's the breaking point. That's the change that in one sense restores their relationship. Not that it was completely broken. Yeah. But it was there was damage and and allows him to confide in her more and and really stabilizes their relationship. Oh wow. Um, because he wants he Scott is someone of multiple ambitions, multiple passions, and he st still doesn't want to disappoint his mother, so he chooses perhaps a road that will please her, but at the same time, that's not really what's in his heart. And then okay. he has to have that conversation with his mother as well. Okay. Okay. So if we need, if we want to know anything else, we, we have to read. You have to read. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to give it all away. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So how long have you been writing? A long time, it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been writing since elementary school. Mm -hmm. um, but the the passion for it the passion for it was always there but it really didn't take hold until university and even at that point it wasn't full on um, because you know again i grew up i'm originally from halifax nova scotia on canada's east coast mm -hmm. um, and i come from a rather conservative family yeah. and so the, the idea was that you know you go to school, you get an education, you get that nine to five job, and everything else is a hobby. Yeah. And, and that, it took me a long time to move past that. Mm. And a long time to accept my own dreams, my own ambitions, and to own them and to work for them. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's interesting. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No. It's interesting because I think a lot of people who are writing you know, they feel the same way. Um, you know, I can definitely attest to that. Um, you know, being here in the DC area, the main thing is for you to get your education and get a government job. Yes. That's, you know, there's nothing else really outside of that. So, um, you know, just being able to break out of those barriers, I think it involves or requires a lot of looking into yourself first and getting to a place where you're okay with that to say hey these are the moves i want to make and this is how i'm gonna go about doing it that and that's so true you know i in 1999 i moved to ottawa our nation's capital mm -hmm. and the big thing there was you know you get into government get into government and you're you're set you know you have that job for life you have that pension yeah. Um, it's what everybody in that city wants and aspires to. And, you know, in 2001, I joined the, our, our federal civil service. Mm -hmm. I had that dream and I left three and a half years later. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> because it wasn't, wasn't what I wanted to do. I felt so confined. You know, when, when you're, for a lot of people who are creative, um, that I know, um, yeah. being in that nine to five job is a straitjacket. Exactly. You, you need to, yes, you need to pay the rent, you need to feed yourself, but it's really trying to find balance. Is there, well, as you're trying to make a career in your, with your artistic, with your arts, whether it's writing or painting or music, you know, you're trying to find another job that 
I use the word tolerate, <laughs> uh, but you're one that you can go to work and, and feel like, okay, I can do this today. It's not going to suck my soul mm -hmm. um, and, and, and still be happy. Mm -hmm, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's yeah, very important for you know someone to reach that point, you know, so um, congrats to you because I know yeah. this isn't your only book, right? You have other books. Yeah, this is my, this would be my third self-published book. Awesome. Awesome. So can you talk to us a little bit about the self-publishing journey? A lot of people don't know, not are not sure how to go about publishing, you know, their book. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I actually, my first book, I say this is my, this is my third self-published book, but it's actually my fourth book. Um, so I was actually, I say quote unquote, traditionally published because my first book was picked up by, at the time it was a fairly new publishing company in the States. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, they, they picked up my, my book at the time, you know, they said they liked it, you know, asked for very few changes. It went on to flop big time. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And it was a, it was a hard failure is very hard to face. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I didn't really know what, well, I, I was asking myself, you know, what did I do wrong? What did I do right? Um, mm -hmm. What could I have done better? Um, and I just wasn't prepared for the publishing world. Um, I was naive. I was younger. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what to expect from my publisher, what, what their expectations were of me. And a lot of that wasn't communicated. So mm -hmm. it left me... Uh, I can actually say the word bitter um, mm -hmm. because I was frustrated. I was a bit angry um, because I thought, you know, I had written something that was good. Um, I thought people would like it. And I really didn't understand the mechanics of publishing. Mm -hmm. um, so it took me close to five years to get over that. Um, okay. I still wrote during that time, but I stopped submitting. I stopped submitting to contests. Uh, I stopped submitting to reviews and lit magazines. And when I came out of that fog, I decided, you know what, I can do this. I can do better. And, but I'm going to experiment with self-publishing. Mm. Uh, so first thing I wrote my story and something that I didn't do with the first book, which was probably a real good reason as to why I didn't do well, um, is I hired an editor. Okay. Because uh, with the first one, I did a lot of self-editing. I had other people read it. Um, and again, when the publishers picked it up and asked for a few changes, I thought, well, I must have done something right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when I hired this editor to look over my manuscript, and they did such a, he did such a fantastic job, but also it was very difficult to see everything that they find wrong with the manuscript. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, because you, you again, even though you, you, you think you've written something, or I always thought that I, I wrote something great, you know, it wasn't going to need very many changes. And then someone comes into it with a totally new and fresh perspective. Yeah. Um, that in the beginning kind of, it shocks me. Uh, but then when I sit down and, and it starts to sink in, it's like, they're right. They're right. Mm -hmm. They're right. And so it helps you really create a good product. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I hired an editor, hired a professional designer. Mm. Uh, for my book cover. Uh, and again, th those things are, are really important if you're going to go the self-publishing route. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, 
it's a it's a continual learning process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it's it's just not it's your editing, it's your proofreading, it's your cover design. It, it's and it's the biggest struggle for me still is marketing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to go into self-publishing, it's 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 still not you know you're putting out something and waiting for people to find it. You actually have to bring the people, your readers, to you. Yeah, exactly. And, yes. and that and that's not easy. No, it's never easy. And I have I literally have my hand in the air because I was one of those first-time writers who did their own editing, and I got picked up by a publishing company. They didn't, you know, really put much into it. They said everything looked great. And, you know, um, just looking back, the the editing's horrible. It was horrible for me. Yeah. And so, no. oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your slide. So this go around, I, you know, like you, I had to, fortunate, I had the, the benefit of coming across a professional editor. And it's, it's it was difficult in the beginning because, you know, what you poured out on paper, it's being chopped up right before your eyes. You know? <laughs> and it's all for the better because yeah. then, you know, I it, it made me sit down and really dig in to, you know, the character development and really putting the story together to the point where, um, you know, the, the editor just loved, loves reading my writing. She looks forward to, you know, reading the, the latest draft and things like that. So... It, it was it was definitely a journey, but a huge learning lesson. Um, and, and, yeah, being a first time writer. Yeah, and, and and that and that is it. Writing is a journey because um, mm-hmm. the the same thing happened to me when I went back and I looked at, back at my very first book and I started to read it and I I understood I understood the one star reviews. Mm. Uh, you know I you know there were five star reviews and I think those are people who were being very kind to me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but I understood the perspective of where they were coming from mm-hmm. and what self-publishing allowed me to do was after I, you know, uh, the flowers need watering was the first book that I, I self-published. Um, and after that whole experience of, you know, having something professionally edited, having my cover design, I actually, you know, self-publishing again allows you to change things. So, I actually, with the flowers and water, I actually end up with uh, doing two covers, um, not very, being very satisfied with the first one after six months and being able to change it to another one um, at that time. Um, but I said to myself, I can do better with that first book. Yeah. Um, now that I understand the, the process, what I need to do, what has to be done. And so I sat down and I rewrote that novel. And I thought again that I had done a great job rewriting it. I shipped it off to my editor. Mm-hmm. And when the notes came back, it's like, oh, that hurts. Yeah, it's painful. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but, it, but it hurts in a good way. Yes. You know, when after, after you let it all sink in, it's like, okay, I, I see it. And, you, but, and I think realizing, too, that you don't always have to agree with what your editor tells you. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's your story. Yeah, it's your and choice. You're, mm-hmm. And you're going to make the choice of whether they're, that their feedback fits with where you want this story to go or it doesn't and being happy and living with that decision with no regret yeah absolutely um and that tells you right there that you have a good editor if they're not trying to force you know they're 
being constructive with what they're showing you, but they're not trying to have the final say on yeah. your story. Yes. That that's that's one of the signs of having a good editor. So yeah. yeah um I mean lesson learned, you know, moving forward now, you know, you you know what to do, how to put something together, because you do plan on, you know, t um, doing more books, right? Or are there yeah. other avenues you're trying to explore? No, I do. I do plan on writing more books. I'm actually working on uh, a, I'm calling it a sequel. It's not a series, but I'm actually working on a sequel to Broken Man Broke. Okay. Uh, and I mean, the goal is to have that out next year. And I, this is something else I say to writers, whether you're starting out or you're, you're kind of feel like you're a seasoned writer, um, be prepared for things to take longer than you expect. Yeah. Um, because writing, as I said, it's a journey. And, you know, I, my goal was to have Broken Man Broke out by Octo uh, August 31st. Yeah. That had been written in my calendar mid-2018. mid, mid mm. yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's not just that life comes up. The, the revision process can take longer. Um, you do have, you know, other things going on in your life. Um, mm -hmm. And there are things you can't control. Like when I send my book off to my editor, it's, it's a rough time frame of where I'm going to get the manuscript back. Mm. So I could plan for four weeks. It could stretch to six or eight. Okay. You know? uh, same when I send it off for, I use a different uh, editor for proofreading. Um, when I send it off to them, depending on how busy they are, you know, yeah. again, is it four weeks, is it six weeks? And all these things affect your timeline. Yeah, exactly. And it's perfectly fine. Like you said, it, it doesn't, it's not going to be perfect. Um, it's not going to go as planned and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, no. With, you know, with the book that I'm working on, probably about a year and a half ago, we were saying t October 2019. Well, that came and went. So now <laughs> you know, we're looking, yeah, of course, you know, we're pushing for, for 2020. And that's fine because there are things that, you know, we had to take our time and do. We didn't want to rush through anything, especially... No. If you're writing fiction, you know, it's so important to take the time to develop the voice, the voices of your characters. Yes. Um, so you don't, you know, because you don't want to keep, you don't want to get the, the one star reviews at the end of the day. I mean, let's No. Well, and you're going to, you're, and this is the other thing you have to be honest, but you're going to get one star reviews no matter what you do. That's true. And it, and it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're J.K. Rowling, whether you're right. uh, Alan Hollinghurst or Stephen King, there are people who are simply not going to like what you write. That's very true. You know, as, as Taylor Swift would say, haters going to hate, hate, hate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's so true. But as, as a self-published author, um, I think it's really important not to rush because it feels like we are held to a higher standard yeah. than anyone who is traditionally published. Yeah. Um, so people are going to be looking for did you miss that comma in their eyes? Did you miss that period? Is that word right. misspelled? Um, they're really looking for any way to knock you down. Right. Um, so and it's important not to rush. And it's important to realize that even with all the people you're working with, because it's happened to me in the past, mm -hmm. um, you're working with editors, you're working with proofreaders um, and graphic designers, they are human. Yeah. And you know, with when I when I when everything he thought he knew came out last year, it had been proofread at least three times. Um, hmm. I always do two final proofreads after everybody else has has seen it before it goes live, and then it goes live. My best friend emails me. So did you notice the mistake on page? Yeah. One? <laughs> <laughs> 
And it's like, okay. Man, <laughs> I know, right? It's like, wait. Yeah, it was like this one word that every, every and I went to all, and of course, I'm just the type of person where I go back to, I keep all of my uh, copies of the editing and proofreading yeah. that comes back from people. And I go back and I check, did they miss that there? Okay, they missed it. Did he miss yeah. it? Oh. <laughs> and so we all missed it, but we were all human. Exactly, it happens. So you have to give yourself some slack too. But you, you want to aim for your best possible product at the same exactly. time. Exactly. Be because I have seen, you know, New York Times bestsellers, okay? Yeah. They're, they're a hot mess when yes. you read it. So not that that's okay, but you just know at the end of the day that you're going to put your best foot forward. Yes. With the editing and, you know, putting the story together so that you, right. you're satisfied with the finished product. Exactly. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it's your, I call it, it's your baby. It's it's your it's a thing you've given so much life to, so much time and energy. So you want it to be its best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's let's backtrack um, to your very first essay that you published back in two thousand three on yes. being black. Yes. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? You know, what inspired you to write it, and you know, generally what the essay was about. It was, it was, uh, oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. No, no it's, it's, uh, it's funny because I, I, I read that, I reread that essay probably about six months ago hmm. um, because someone on Twitter had, had mentioned, oh, it'd be great if Marcus shared that essay uh, yeah. with, with people. And so I went back because I only have a paper photograph a photocopy of it now because it was published in a literary journal that no longer is, exists and okay that was before 2003 was before the time yeah 2003 was before the time of uh of um digital yeah. you know digital literary magazines and everything online um and so i went back and i reread it and i was like oh my i <laughs> cannot share that with the world <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> oh, it could have been that bad. No, and it's, it wasn't because it was it was that bad or badly written or anything. It's like I'm not the same person who wrote that twenty yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um. So it was about me uh, really trying to find my place as a black person growing up in Halifax on Canada's East Coast because there really is um, there's a lot of still um, a lot of racial tension there. Mm -hmm. um, and I grew up black, but in a white community mm -hmm. uh, because it was my parents' way of giving us more opportunity. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, on the one hand, it felt like everything that was going on around me um, was seen through the color glass. Uh, so I went into public speaking in grade nine. And I remember, you know, my first competition, I, I literally joined four days before the competition and I ended up placing third. Mm -hmm. And I went on up to, right up to, to the end of high school competing. And I think one, I only placed first once, but I remember being, it being commented by my mother that, oh, you're not gonna win because you're black. Really? Yeah, and and so everything that was happening was was you know if it, if something good happened oh great but but if it didn't it, it was because you're black. Uh, I spent three months uh, as an 
as an organist in a church. And one night after the prayer service, I was waiting for the bus to go home. And, I was, and this is in the essay. I was talking to uh, a couple of the other guys who were there. And they were around my age or a little older. And at the time, I was at Dalhousie University. And they asked me what I was studying. And oh, I'm working on my master's in French literature. And he looked at me. And he said, and I can hear it as clear as day, what kind of black person are you? Wow. And I was just like, well, what do you mean? You know, and right. then, because my name is, is Lopez, which it's, that's, we pronounce it as if it were Spanish, it's actually Portuguese. And, you know, again, the comment, well, you don't even have a black name. Oh you know, so, because my grandfather came over from uh, Cape Verde, which, used to be a Portuguese colony, but it, they're all black people. <laughs> oh, interesting. So, okay. So it was, it was, it was, that was, that was a focus of, of the essay, you know, what it meant for me to be black, what my experience was, and it really was kind of being, living through a color glass, where what I did depended on, and my success depended on whether being black, you know, and, and that, that expression, I, I don't hear it as much these days, but, you know, the Oreo being black on the outside and white on the inside. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So. Yeah, wow. You know, and I heard stuff like that too. And I was floored one day when we were in, I don't remember what class we were taking in college. And this, an Asian student said, yeah, well, there's also the, you know, for Asians, you're white on the inside and yellow on the outside. Like I I had just, that was just kind of mind-blowing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But so, mm-hmm, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say that. So that essay, you know, as I think a, a lot of my writing leading up to that, and one of my again my one of my best friends tells me who has followed my writing, you know, up until this day, that was very angry. Mm. And my early writings were very angry because I was trying to find my voice and trying to find myself. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, and you know, I think that when people, when we choose to do that, that's a very important step to take um, as far as, you know, publishing something. Um, so whoever it was or whatever magazine was that gave you that opportunity, you know, well, for me, I can say that it was very groundbreaking because yes. I became less reserved about being outspoken about certain things. So. Yes. I got more comfortable with writing more, you know, once I did that. So did you feel that that was like a breaking ground for you, even though it was back in it, Yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was a moment where I said, okay, A, I have something to say, people are listening, mm-hmm. and, I can, and I can do this. Okay. Uh, and because I it actually, that was my, when I submitted that essay t- to them the first time, uh, they wrote, they wrote back. Uh, it's one of those rare occasions where it wasn't just a <clears throat> the standard rejection letter. Okay. There was the standard rejection letter, but in the bottom was a handwritten note saying, "Really, something along the lines of really like the premise um, needs a bit of work. Rewrite, try, submit again." Nice. And that was encouraging to me. So yeah. I actually, you know what? I'll take their advice. I'll look at it. I'll rewrite submit again and they accepted it yeah awesome awesome now help me out a little bit please forgive me because my geography is horrible you grew up in nova scotia yes so that is not a part of canada 
correct? It is. It is. Oh, it is. It okay. is. Yes. Okay. And um, the capital of or, of Canada? Ottawa. Ottawa. Okay. You mentioned that earlier. Okay. Yes. And so with Nova Scotia, um, again, I don't know much about Canada. Is it, you know, as far as, you know, the, the Black population, where did they originate from? Where did most of them originate from? Because it seems like a lot of them came from Europe or am I? Actually, actually no. Um, my grandfather was kind of the exception. Um, mm. a, a lot of them uh, came up through this, this, from the United States. Okay. Um, at the Underground Railroad, um, people mm -hmm. fleeing during the uh, American Revolution. Mm -hmm. um, trying to escape slavery yeah. and so a lot of them came up um, through there and settled in Nova Scotia. A lot, a lot in Nova Scotia, some in New Brunswick as well. Um, okay. So, and so it's a different black population compared to uh, Montreal which is going to have a lot of Haitians. Okay, uh, right? that's what I'm aware of, exactly. Yeah. And then Toronto where you're going to have Jamaica, Bahamas, Jamaica. Dominican. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's so interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, I was just curious about that. Um, so what advice would you give to someone, you know, who may be struggling with their voice, especially if they, they're just trying to find a way to introduce themselves to the world? Uh, what would you pull, what would you tell them, you know, as, as for guidance? You keep writing. And, yeah. and, and write as much as you can um, because it, it takes time. You're, you're, I, I don't know any author who's found their voice right away. Uh, your voice is going to grow and mature um, and I think change as well mm -hmm. um, over time. Um, now, you really don't have to wait to, to have your voice heard. Mm -hmm. um, there, there are a lot of opportunities. Um, I mean, if, you, if someone wants to go the traditionally, the traditional route, I know there, there's still a lot of opportunities, you know, to submit to literary magazines, um, contests, um, but you can also start a blog. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot easier today to be heard. Um, but you have to be ready to be heard. Yeah. And by that, I mean, you have to be ready for the feedback and you have to be ready for the silence because not everybody is going to pat you on the back. Um, uh, they're not, not everyone's going to read your work. Not, and if they do, you know, not, no guarantee they're going to finish it or leave a comment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you need, you know, I always, I always, what works for me is I have a routine. Mm -hmm. Hello? What's that really answers the question? Oh, I'm sorry. It, it kind of like, the mic kind of gave out in the, in the end. Um, Thing. Sorry about that. No problem. Um, so I was just saying that you know uh, it's easy. You don't have to wait to be to be heard. You know you can do a blog. But I said I have a I have a routine, and writing for me I write every day. And writing for me 
if I don't do it is like uh, not uh, going without caffeine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, there are some days, you know, we can be honest, you don't feel like writing, you know? No, <laughs> no. And it's funny because that was my, <laughs> that was my blog post this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. and, you know, because sometimes I, just, you know, I, I don't feel like writing. Anymore. Yeah. And one thing that I do as part of my morning routine, I sit down and I look at my planner and I go on, usually online, because I have a couple sites I like to go to, and I find a quote, mm -hmm. a quote that speaks to me today. Mm. And, and usually that is enough to get me to the page uh, when I don't feel like writing. But most, you know, I'm not the type of person I don't believe in writer's block, because I believe we have a choice. We have a choice to write or not to write. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't always feel like writing, but I just go to my desk and I sit down and I start writing. And usually, you know, it's not, I rarely just stare at the page. So I always have a project on the go as well. Okay. Um, but journaling for me helps. And I, I begin my day by doing what Julia Cameron calls morning pages. Yeah. And I, I've been doing that since 1997 faithfully. Wow. Oh and, and, and that that helps get the creative juices going because once i've done my my two or three pages i'm ready to move into my main writing project okay and you know what you're you're not alone when it comes to defining writer's block i also don't believe in writer's block if you know i'm working on something and quote unquote you know like nothing is coming to me then that yeah. means there's nothing there or yeah. You know, I just need to walk away, get a change of scenery, you know, get on the phone and, you know, yeah. run my mouth or something. But I don't see it as a block. Yeah. No. And, and I think one thing a, a writer or any person, really, anyone really needs to do, and I am really bad for this. This is like, you know, this do what I say, don't do it as I do kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, um, learn to rest learn to take time off because mm -hmm. um, that will recharge your creative energy your creative stores mm -hmm. um you know i know i used to be the type of writer where I, you know i say i write every day and i do write every day i do my journaling every day mm -hmm. um, but I've, i'm coming in my later years to realize you know taking a day off here and there actually really helps it helps me get away from the story get away from the characters get away from the plot so that when I come back, I I am recharged. I can see things from a new perspective. Yeah, it's not often that I do it because it's like <laughs> I, I keep wanting to get ahead. If I keep writing, at least you know, some days it might be two hundred words. Some days it could be three thousand words. It varies for me. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just the idea. You know, I, I always talk about every now and then. It comes up at least twice a year in my blog. You know, the art of rest and learning to let my body and my mind recuperate. And it's hard because, you know, you always want to get to the next level. Yes. You always want to do more. And, you know, it's, for me, it's really learning. It's not a race. There is no rush. Mm -hmm. Enjoy the journey. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, that's just the best way to do it. Take your time yeah. and enjoy the journey. You'll yeah. learn so much along the way. You will. And, but it's hard because I feel like I'm always, 
I'm always rushing about. I always want to get things done faster. Yeah. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I know that I definitely went through that because I was so anxious to hurry up, get to that last page and type the end. Yeah. You know, and my editor was like, you know, please calm down. But it's like, you know, after everything we've been through, you know, yeah. you're just waiting to see that, you know, that end of the tunnel. Exactly. And, and the, the other thing I could tell them is, is like, you know, it's, it's finding what works for you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's going to be a lot of people out there telling you what to do and how to do it. You know, you know, specifically as you're writing in certain genres, um, they tell you it has to be this way, it has to include this. Um, and if you're going to self-publishing, people are going to tell you, well, you got to do this to market your book, or you need to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really have to, you have to know yourself and know what you're prepared to do and what you're not prepared to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I was listening to your <laughs> interview with uh, D. Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And she talked about how what worked for her, uh, I think it was for 11 years, was her, her writing group. Yeah. Right? right? Exactly. That, that didn't work for me. Okay. <laughs> you know? and, and, different. And, you know, exactly. You're, you're going to be different. Some things are going to work for you that, that, and not work for you, but that work for other people. Right. Um, so you, you really have to know that for yourself and not feel pressured to do stuff that you're not comfortable with. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, definitely a learning journey, and it's worth every moment. So yeah, it thank is. you, thank you for sharing that. You know, yeah. folks need to know that. Yeah. So, um, can you just remind us again of um, what's going to drop on the twenty-first of this month, and how can we get our copy of it? Yeah. So, Broken Man Broke. It's going to be available on November twenty-first. Um, it is available on Amazon and in the and for Kindle Unlimited only. Um, at this point, um, I'm sticking exclusively with Amazon. Uh, oh. So that's coming. Awesome. Yeah. So do you have anything else in the works for the future um, that you're working on that you'd like to share? or is it yeah, as I, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I'm working on uh, the, the sequel to Broken Man Broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's my goal is for that to be a, hopefully around this time uh, next year. Mm-hmm. I am also working on a, a novella. Um, and, and that. It's funny because, um, again, I was listening to Dee Lawrence talk and she was talking about how she doesn't write happy ever after all the time, you know, necessarily. Yeah. And I'm that type of writer as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I am with my new novella. It's uh, the working title. I, I'm willing to share at this point because I don't think it's going to change. It's called Beyond the Veil. Mm-hmm. Um, and my goal is to drop that in February 2020. Okay. Um, and that will ha- be have a happier ending than anything that I've ever written to. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so that's coming. And I am, you know, uh, I am, I've been working on it very, very slowly, but I really want to take the jump, the leap into action kind of thriller. Mm. So I have a... I have three draft. I have three working drafts of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when that's coming up. Hopefully, the next five years. Uh, but that's also something I'm looking forward to tackling again in 2020 to get okay. that moving along faster. Nice. Okay. And so I will include um, your contact info in the show notes. So sounds good. Folks will know how to get in touch with you. 
And, um, you know, so I want to thank you again for coming on. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, well, and I'm pretty sure the listeners, you know, will enjoy it as well. So uh, please keep in touch. You know, I'll, I'm definitely going to um, follow what you're doing, you know, with the, your book getting ready to come out and then the other project you're working on for February. Well, well, thank you so much for having me, Zuna, and I really appreciate it. I'm looking oh, forward no. to chatting, chatting again, perhaps at some point. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You have a good okay. night. You too. All right. Bye-bye. All right, everyone, thank you for listening to another episode. I just want to remind everyone that the podcast is available on Podbean and on iTunes. So it would be really great and it would be really helpful for the podcast if you would provide a review and subscribe. Uh, Let us know how we're doing. Are we giving you the content that you're interested in or are you learning? You know, um, is it something that uh, you just want to continue to listen to? Um, Please go to iTunes and you can uh, pull up the the podcast from there. You can subscribe and and you can rate and you can also do the same thing at podbean.com. All right. And if you want to get in contact with me, I can be reached at hello at musurights.com. Thanks again, guys. Take care.